Hello, hello! My name is Jordan, and I'm your host. And today, as you can see, or you can't see if you listen to this audioly, audioly, <laughs> auditorially, <laughs> we have a guest today. Her name is Sarah. How are you, Sarah? Tell us all about yourself. Good. Hi. I am a high school senior, and I know Jordan because we do work together at Glisten, and so that's how we met. I do a lot of community engagement and public speaking things. Um, but I'm also what my family likes to call a walking ball of panic. Um, I have anxiety disorder, I have ADHD, um, I'm a high school senior, so like that on its own. Um, and I'm also chronically ill, so there's a lot of stressors related to that. Um, and so today we're mostly talking about coping skills and figuring that out. For sure. Absolutely amazing topic, by the way. For some reason, since we are a mental health podcast, and you would think that we talk about coping mechanisms all the time, but we have never talked about it on this on this podcast, besides like the casual mention, like, yes, take care of yourself, do your coping skills. But we have a whole episode dedicated to it now. So amazing. Thank you, Sarah, for this topic. <laughs> so just so all of our listeners can get to know this episode, we are going to be talking about what coping strategies really are, difference between coping mechanisms, coping strategies, and why they're essentially important. Um, I don't know why I said essentially, just important, they are important. (laughs) And then we will be navigating to topic two, which will just be discussing the different types of coping mechanisms you can try. And this is just gonna start you off, get you going, um, so you can find your own coping mechanisms and it's gonna be great. And then lastly, we'll talk a little bit about how to recognize or you should be recognizing in general but maybe you can get a little jump start as well how to recognize that you do deserve to feel safe that you do deserve to feel comforted comforted and comfortable in your skin and making sure that you are in the right mind space through these coping mechanisms so yeah we're super excited to talk about this and of course this is forever blooming <laughs> so we're going to get right into the rose thorn bud our old listeners should know so much about this but if you are a new listener we are essentially just going to be going over our rose which is a highlight success small win or something positive that happened to you today or within the last week and then we'll be going over our thorn which unfortunately is a challenge we experience or something we could use more support with and lastly we'll be talking about our bud which is a or what well, which are some new ideas that have blossomed or something that you're looking forward to knowing more about or experiencing so all of the listeners have listened to my rose thorn bud millions of time so let's give Sarah the spotlight so today the day we're recording this is actually my birthday I'm 18 now so that's definitely I would say a success um, and a positive thing that's happening Um, one of my thorns is so I mentioned earlier I'm chronically ill and I also have anxiety so I have to get shots every month Um, and I've had the same nurse since I've been having to get these shots and she's very um, she understands like she knows how to work with me at this point um and unfortunately i have to switch to a new nurse at the end of the school year and so i'm very very nervous to like meet her and i have my first appointment on friday and like oh my goodness how is this going to go is she gonna like think that i'm like too stressed she's a nurse she probably deals with stress kit i don't know um so that's definitely just been a worry in the back of my mind um and then my bud is I'm an adult now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, and so definitely navigating that and navigating kind of 
all of the new responsibility of scheduling doctor's appointments and calling in my own prescriptions and being able to go to clubs. <laughs> Please. <laughs> and we actually, actually, no, no, no. We are going to talk about this because while we were scripting this episode, uh, Sarah was just like, oh yeah, legally and medically, I can't drink. <laughs> so what do you mean? <laughs> going to clubs. <laughs> Dancing is still fun. Like, okay. you know, listening okay. to music, hanging out with all your friends. Like, I think just because you have allergies or just because you're not the healthiest person in the world doesn't mean you shouldn't get to enjoy time with your friends and be included in things. So absolutely love that and hopefully you will not be dealing with a lot of puke <laughs> from people <laughs> from drinking <laughs> awesome awesome congratulations happy birthday Thank you. all that and welcome to the wonderful world of bills <laughs> the responsibilities <Yeah. laughs> all right so we're going to transition over to my rose thorn bud so a rose this week i honestly have been taking a lot of time for myself and trying to slow things down a bit i feel like since like june of last year everything has been like really hectic chaotic with college forever blooming my job everything else so really when i do have those off days i'm trying to take time to recuperate take time to just you know be present in the moment and trying to create these happy memories because you know, oftentimes when I am really absorbed and just work and everything, I have a hard time kind of just stepping back from it and making sure that I do need to focus on myself. So yeah, it's been a rose. And a thorn would probably be, again, just how hectic it has been. Um, there has been a lot of big things happening in my life, which of course that's gonna cause stress. But like I said, with my rose, I am learning to take more time for myself. And lastly, a bud would probably be, hmm, I have been thinking a lot, so this is going to be months from now, but I have been thinking about going on this cruise, and I'm super excited <laughs> because I've never been on a cruise, so it's just like, oh my god, there's going to be water, and there's going to be a million creatures that I don't know below me, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. <laughs> That's so exciting. Absolutely. And that is also in celebration of my graduation and just, you know, also evolving into adult because by then, well, it's going to be in like July before my birthday, but you know, essentially before my birthday. <laughs> but yeah, um, that being said, we are going to go ahead and jump right into this episode. As I was talking about, I am personally learning to take more time for myself. So honestly, this is a great episode just to talk about all my little coping mechanisms, talk about all Sarah's coping mechanisms, strategies, etc. So we want to open out this, open up this episode with the question, what really are coping strategies? What are they? So the definition of coping in you know all reality is just to adjust or tolerate a lot of negative events or realities that you are currently facing while trying to keep up a positive self-image and emotional equilibrium because i think that's pretty much essential for um anything in life actually if you're not mentally there then you're not physically there for pretty much anything um so that is the rough definition of coping um and also just to deal with and attempt to overcome these certain 
negative realities. Um, we do want to distinguish that there is a difference between coping mechanisms and coping strategies and even coping skills. So I was actually just made aware of this by Sarah. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the spotlight to her to explain yeah. this. Yeah, okay. So a coping mechanism is the thing that you do to cope. So journaling, taking a bath, meditating, so the thing that you do to achieve that emotional equilibrium. A coping strategy is how you incorporate it into your life and how you utilize it. So is that setting aside time every day, or is it having a plan for when you go into an anxiety attack and like knowing how to calm yourself down? Um, and then a coping skill is just the way that you do the thing, right? So if you're coping mechanism is journaling well there's a bunch of different types of journaling so what skill and what's like how do you go about actually achieving that strategy so those are like the three different levels of that awesome and honestly over the years um, as my listeners know i've been dealing with mental health issues since i was just 10 11 12 which is very early on and i am now 17 and i did not know about this until now <laughs> so, thank you <laughs> just been using this like interchangeably so it's important to know the differences but either way it's all about emotional well-being and equilibrium at the end of the day and we do want to just talk a little bit about like healthy me coping mechanisms versus unhealthy coping mechanisms did i say that right <laughs> okay for in my mind i was just thinking like did i just say unhealth unhealthy versus unhealthy but um, we did it so um i know that for me personally as far as just like the unhealthy side i was actually talking to a friend the other day um about like you can have coping mechanisms but they don't always have to be healthy so for me personally self-harm trigger warning was a lot of those times that i did feel like in a way it helped release those negative emotions but of course it wasn't the most healthy way and finding that sort of balance between or even the distinguish 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 distinction there we go finding the distinction between um the healthy versions and the unhealthy versions because there's a million ways to release your emotions but ultimately finding those healthy mechanisms is what's most important what are your thoughts on just unhealthy and healthy coping mechanisms yeah i think a lot of what makes a, mecha a mechanism healthy or unhealthy isn't well, sometimes it is just flat out like what the action is but a lot of times it's the mindset that you're going into it because for some people um, like what works for one person doesn't work for the next person or works for everyone. Um, and so sometimes there's something that really helps you get into the positive mindset or that helps you stay in a good mindset um, and that can help you calm you down. That might be something that could cause anxiety problems or that could be a trigger for somebody else. Um, and so when talking about healthy versus unhealthy methods, it's not necessarily a bullet point list of here's healthy and here's unhealthy. It's more of navigating what makes sense based on your human experience mm -hmm. love the way that you phrase that absolutely agree um, we also do want to mention that um, when it comes to navigating these uh, coping mechanisms you can also try to think of whether they are situation based or whether they are um, more emotional based as you said um, just working through these sort of emotions and making sure that you are in that healthy mindset uh, there are 
again, coping mechanisms that are just like maybe distinguishing or distancing yourself from somebody else, that can be coping in a way. Uh, and that is very much problem-based or situation-based, but there are also, um, you know, emotional-based coping mechanisms. And, you know, it's important to apply the coping mechanisms where it is uh, healthy, where it is useful, uh, as far as the problem-based versus emotion-based uh, coping strategies and mechanisms. So that being said, why are coping mechanisms really important? Why are coping strategies really important? Um, what are coping strategies for you personally? Yeah, so I think what makes them so important is just figuring out how to ground yourself, especially, um, and I think regardless of anyone's neurotype, like everyone's capable of being stressed or panicking um but for me specifically i tend to just spiral really fast mm -hmm. um and so knowing beforehand that i have these strategies and these methods that kind of i know can help calm me down and that i know can calm um i can fall back on is always really helpful because it just helps me process the emotions um, or it helps me calm down in the situation, depending on what I'm trying to do. I know that with some methods, there are things that are preemptive. I think preemptive is the word, where it's like you do it beforehand, going into a situation so that you're calmer going in, and there's some things that you do after, and there's some things that you do during. Um, for me, one of my biggest coping um, strategies is journaling. Um, I just write everything down. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's my feelings or just about my day. Sometimes if I'm having a really hard day, it's difficult to write about my feelings. So I'll just make a bullet point list of like, here's what happened today. Mm -hmm. Or I'll be like, here is like a description of the room I'm in. Um, and often for me, like starting off with like, this is what time it is. And this is the description of where I am helps me like ease into that emotional writing. Um, and so that's one of my biggest coping strategies. Another one for me, um is comfort items so things that i already have positive associations with having those with me in difficult situations or stressful situations um and then just centering myself around those positive associations um helps calm me down absolutely love that um I definitely relate to this sort of having those items around you that do bring you joy, having those items around you that remind you of happy times. And also, I love that you mentioned, like, especially with journaling, there are so many different ways to do it. I know you said that already, but I love how you mentioned that you have bullet points and then you have the times where you actually journal about your feelings. It just depends on the situation, depends on the type of person you are. Um, I think when I first started journaling, actually, um, I remember I felt like there was like this pressure that I had to have these like really pretty notebooks and like really just thought out um, sort of paragraphs and thoughts and emotions. Um, I, I looked at a lot of templates, <laughs> like journaling in general. And for a while, I absolutely hated it. Like it was not for me and only because I put that sort of pressure on myself to do this perfect coping mechanisms when that isn't necessarily right, that doesn't necessarily exist. I love that you said that. Um, I know for me, if you don't mind me going to the yeah, side no story. So I, I've been keeping a diary since second grade. Um, 
I was not consistent in second grade though. <laughs> like, um, but what how what like got me into journaling is in fifth grade, the English teacher at the first day of class, she gave every single student a composition notebook. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't care what you do with this. You can draw in it, you can take notes for class in it, you can write, you can like do creative writing, stuff like that. She's like, I do not care. But at the end of the year, by the end of the school year, I want this book to be full. Right. And there were like a few things like during class where she'd be like, we're going to do a creative writing assignment, so use your journal. And so for me, where she was like, I'm not going to pace you, but I want you to have this safe space where you can just express yourself in whatever feels right to you. Um, so I know when people think of journaling, they also think they often think of like saying like dear diary and then like writing down all of your like deepest emotions and your secrets and all of the things. Um, but for some people, like journaling is like doing the little like spiral things that I can't think of the name of. Um, and some people journaling is just doing word association. And so I think like that was what really showed me like, oh, this can be whatever is most helpful to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of, I've stuck with it ever since. <laughs> I love that. Honestly, teacher of the year award question mark (laughs) (laughs) because i've never had a teacher like that and i think um that's another issue that should be in a separate conversation i will probably talk about this but like with my own experience with school there hasn't really been a lot of um like mental health education and Mm -hmm. i feel like even taking that step as a teacher just saying that this is your space to do whatever you want amazing i love that Mm -hmm. Um, I think as well as like on the topic of journaling and kind of just doing whatever you want, having your own space, a lot of time when it comes to coping mechanisms for me, um, I kind of get this sense of like escaping from reality and, um, I don't know if this is common with other people, but I know for me when I do have a lot going on and, um, I do want to just get out of my head for a bit, like I don't want to think work, school, etc. I kind of just dive into whatever coping mechanisms that helps me most at that time. Like with journaling, I can definitely just clear my head of everything and try to do whatever I want, write whatever I want. And it could, it sometimes is in the form of just like creative writing of where I just start writing a poem or maybe I just start uh, drawing sometimes doing little doodles and it helps Um, and it helps distract me from everything else so that's kind of the reason why I do like coping mechanisms so much just escaping from all the outside problems and focusing on me and being in a space you know Um, I was wondering how um, you sort of approach coping mechanisms. I know as you are a person with many different, well, I don't want to say disorders, but conditions. I don't like that word, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's just figuring out like, what is, like, what makes sense? What's safe for me, right? Like, it's a lot of trial and error. I know sometimes like finding a coping mechanism can like be a reason that you need a coping mechanism um right like sometimes it's a little a bit of a mess but I think just for me it was trying things out because I used to be like a really big stress eater like if I was panicked I would just Mm -hmm. like 
pour my soul into food. Um, so it turns out I have a lot of allergies. So that one doesn't work for me, right? Yeah. Um, but things like, like I now like really, really love cooking. So when I'm stressed about something, I will be like, I'm just going to set aside however much time I can set aside and I'm going to try a new recipe or I'm going to do something and just like that I know how to accommodate to myself and just mm -hmm. like dive into that and like zone in. Um, Cause for me, like giving a lot of times when I'm processing emotions, like I just need space to just think about something else for a little bit and then come back to it. Um, because if I don't give myself that like buffer, then I will just spiral, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a lot of figuring out how things intersect within my own mind of, of thoughts. Um, but then a lot of the times for me in the moment stuff is really important too. So having those um, comfort items that I can just use to calm down. And that was definitely with my anxiety, like, because I got diagnosed with my anxiety disorder when I was 11. Um, and so using the things that like I already knew were helping and that I kind of mm -hmm. already figured out were helping. Um, and, and then just like focusing on how can I make those systems better for me? Right. Because I think we all subconsciously have some sort of coping strategy, right? Absolutely. Um, and so when you're trying to figure out what works for you, just take a week to just figure out what you already do, right? Mm -hmm. And then write those down, keep a note of it, just keep it in the back of your head and then figure out how can I expand on this to make this system work for me in the best way possible. Absolutely. Um, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about like, oh yeah, huh, there are some things that my mother always already does, like drink wine when she's stressed. <laughs> like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not that one, but I was just thinking yeah. of it. <laughs> I love that you mentioned that. It's like that. taking naps. Like I think the other thing too is like a lot of people, like some people, their coping strategy is to just their coping strategy is either just to take space for themselves, to take time for themselves, um, or to just like calm down. Um, and then for a lot of other people, coping strategies rely on talking to other people about and interacting and like being in a supportive space. Um, and so that's kind of what I was talking a little bit about earlier is like one thing's not going to work for everybody mm -hmm. or work for two different people because for one person being alone might be a really good coping mechanism of them just taking time to process and then for another person isolating themselves from a friend might be a really unhealthy coping mechanism right. for them. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> I definitely love how you kind of elaborated a bit about how it there is a distinction from each person to person. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, do, I remember just having an argument about this, like, when I was talking to a friend, I was like, all right, I'm going through a lot right now, so I need some space to myself. I need to just be in my own bubble for a little bit. And then he was like, but I don't want you to be alone. And I was like, I'm fine with being alone. It helps a lot. And he was like, but I want to be there for you. I'm like, please, just be there for me. And I, let me be alone, you know? So yeah, it's definitely yeah. different for other pe uh, most people. But I think as far as coping goes, we do just need to understand that um, coping does help us understand ourselves better, helps us understand with different situations better and how to sort of address them properly, how to make space for yourself and work through that sort of issue. So yeah, 
And Doesn't one thing. Oh wait. Oh sorry. Yeah. I was like, and one thing I want to elaborate on because I know I keep mentioning coping in terms of ADHD and anxiety disorders, um, and that's the way I talk about it because that's the way I know it. That's how I experience it. But coping strategy is for anyone, regardless mm-hmm. of neurotype or what's going on in your life or anything. Like anyone can be stressed. Right. And so it's. And everyone does already have some sort of subconscious coping strategy. So it's just like, I wanted to point out, like, even though I'm probably mostly going to be talking about anxiety stuff, <laughs> that's not just what this is. Absolutely. It, I think that's the one thing people misunderstand the most. Like, I think that when people think about mental health, they're just like, oh, this and this and this mental health condition. No, I'm talking about like the whole, like everybody mm-hmm. needs to be okay um, and find ways to be okay. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's definitely always something I preach. Thank you so so much for bringing that up. Um, we do want to move on a little bit into the actual coping mechanisms that we like to do, like uh, me personally and Sarah personally. Uh, of course, we did talk a little bit about journaling we love journaling. We stand journaling. <laughs> so, um, if you do want to elaborate a little bit about just like how many journals you have or like what, because we have been talking about like while we were scripting this episode, we were talking about just like all of Sarah's little trinkets with uh, all of her journals and things like that. It's like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, and talking a little bit about like how different things in our life intersect is like journaling was a hyperfixation of mine for a really long time. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things that I just like am very, very passionate about. Um, so this one, I have actually this book over here was the book that my fifth grade teacher gave me. It's back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I usually just I actually, like, everyone in my life gets me notebooks as presents now because they just know I'll use them. Um, but it's it's just one of those things for me. I do a lot of stream of consciousness writing. I'm just going to sit down when I get a chance. Um, a lot of times, if I can, I try and make space every day to just have time. Um, and sometimes I decide, you know what, I know I set aside this time for journaling, but I'd rather focus on a different mechanism instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always okay. Do what works best for you. Um, but I will often just just write write out my feelings. But then there's other things too. Um, so like this, I, w- I consider this journaling, but it's not a traditional journal in any way. So I have this book um, and I call it my book of hope. And so anytime I come across any sort of motivational quote, song lyric that's helped me, um, my grandmother drinks a brand of tea that has like an inspirational quote on all the tea bag cards, <laughs> so I'll like, keep those <clears throat> and I'll glue them in here, I'll write them down. Um, I've gotten my friends and family to write notes in here, I'll put like stickers that make me happy. Um, and so then when I'm really stressed or I'm panicking or I feel like I'm alone, um, I can just flip through this and it's kind of just a physical version of the support systems in my life um and just a reminder of all of the different things and just i don't know it's just it's always been really helpful well not always i've only had it for a few years but it's always (laughs) it's been really helpful to just 
no because a lot of times like I struggle with nightmares a lot Mm -hmm. so if I'm waking up at 1am like there's not exactly someone that I can like call like I can't call out a friend to be like hey can you like would it be okay to talk this through with me so having those notes and the stickers and the quotes just is very helpful um love that I think just a little bit going into like the objects thing as well um I know that comfort objects I feel like in in that way the book of hope not only is a journaling thing but it's also kind of like a comfort thing like this is my happiness place and this is like where where things are and um you know having that object to um you know think of and ponder on and look through it's kind of just like nice (laughs) having all those memories i love that and even like when i'm not stressed it's just nice to be like i have you know the support system I love that. I love that a lot. I, I'm gonna steal that idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna you steal should. It. Everyone should. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I, I don't, well, I said everyone should, but then I previously said that, like, not everything should. <laughs> so, every, I think everyone should at least try it and see if it works. <laughs> and if not, you know, there's always something yeah. else. <laughs> Speaking of there being something else, I know that uh, in therapy, actually, uh, we occasionally do EMDR, which for those who don't know, Um, EMDR is kind of just like processing a way that you can process your emotions through uh, well not emotions but more like memories processing your emotions and memories through EMDR is kind of like stimulated by bilateral stimulation wow stimulated by bilateral (laughs) stimulation (laughs) it is amazing and it doesn't work for everyone because you know as we said different people different coping mechanisms but um, bilateral stimulation has been something that has been amazing in my experience um what about you yeah so for me i know there's three different types of bilateral stimulation audio visual and physical um audio and visuals bilateral stimulation like it's not necessarily not helpful but i struggle with it a lot because Mm -hmm. i really struggle with focusing um and so for me the the physical methods have just always been really helpful and that's a great like when I'm spiraling and then when I get to the point where I recognize that I'm in that spiral Mm -hmm. that is like the go-to thing because it kind of just forces my body to like calm down Mm -hmm. um because there's only so many things my brain can think of and so when I start working on it it takes up a lot of that space um so the ways that I like to do it um are finger tapping so on one hand i have like my thumb to my index finger and on one i have my thumb to my pinky finger and then i just tap across and then restart with each i just go through each finger um and then that's one way to do it and then the other way that i do it which is less subtle because i like the finger tapping because i can like do it under my desk or i can just like do it while i'm walking um is where you like cross your arms and then you just alternate tapping your hand either on your legs or on your chest. Um, But like when you get in the flow of it, it just kind of really calms me down. But then if I try to like listen to bilateral music, like I cannot focus on it. Really? Oh man. I'm like the complete opposite. Like I love like the audio version. Like for me personally, I do two things at once. So I do um, the audio. So listening to the audio go, go back and forth. It's just like nice. And then <clears throat> also syncing up that audio with like uh, 
I don't do the little butterfly fingers, but I do it on my lap. I just tap, 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 uh, one after the other like this. And um, just listening to those both at the same time also helps me focus. Because if I do do one thing at the at one time, it's kind of just like, wow, I'm doing this. But anyways, thinking about other things. <laughs> so yeah. being able to concentrate on the audio and concentrate on that at the same time kind of helps me focus, calm down, and I love it. And there's a lot of different grounding activities too, like if that's something that you've tried and doesn't really work for you, like one that we were talking about earlier was 54321, mm-hmm. which I know that some people don't take it seriously because they're just like, okay. Um, <laughs> and then some people are like, like live by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what that method is, is when you kind of realize that you're stressing out or when you're trying to calm down, is you do a mental checklist or a verbal checklist um, if you feel comfortable with that. Uh, my, my like anxiety is seeping through. I'm like ah no. <laughs> um, uh, but you do this checklist of you start with five things that you can see and then four things that you can touch. Um, that is one of the things here that I remind people of when I'm talking is it's not four things that you are actively touching, but four mm-hmm. things that are like within that things you can touch range. Um, and then three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. I absolutely love, and I guess I am in that category where I live by this, because <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, somebody taught me at one time, and I was like, all right, I'm doing this forever for the rest of my life. <laughs> yes. I'm once amazing. again, like, I have a lot of trouble focusing on one thing, and so, like, I'll, I usually get to, like, touch, and then I just, like, there's it gets to like 20 things I can touch and I don't move on (laughs) (laughs) well does it eventually help even if you are doing this one thing yeah it still helps calm me down because even if the it's not the actual method it's like getting distracted from the you know stressful situation (laughs) so it's still helpful um in some ways I love that. I, um, I, for me personally, I usually have to do it like over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, after like going back again, different methods for different people. <laughs> Cause it's like the first time through, it's just like, all right, I'm distracting myself. Second time through, it's just like, oh wow, look at all these things. And then the third time through, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that I was even stressed in the first time. So yeah. 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 Um, and just another thing about you know grounding yourself um i love to have my own little happy uh, space um, my safe space i guess um just so that i can be able to recognize that i am not in danger you know that little fight or flight thing my actually side note my therapist actually described anxiety perfectly she was like um, when somebody is diagnosed with anxiety, it's kind of like their fight or flight is being triggered and there's like a red alarm for like very, like, not, I want, I don't want to say basic things, but it's like triggered all the time. <laughs> and you have to find ways to just like stop that fight or flight sense from, um, being triggered. So, you know, for me personally, I love having my own safe space and that can be like in my own head most of the time or actually going to, um, like a very naturey place, very green place that I can just calm down and be with nature. If I can't go to like a forest or park or anything, I'll just sit in my room and play like forest noise or wind noise or um, like birds chirping, you know, to get myself in that sort of imaginary, like kind of like uh, 
like a fantasy for it for us, mm -hmm. and it's it's very nice. <laughs> Do you have that space for you? Yeah. So for me, um, I'm definitely one of those teenagers who just spends way too much time in her room. <laughs> um, but my room really is my safe space. Uh, I have I mentioned earlier, like I have a handful of allergies, um, and some of them are airborne, and so. A lot of times when I'm like navigating the world, even if it is a really familiar space, like I never know mm -hmm. um, what might happen, what's going to come up. And a lot of times with airborne reactions, like I don't realize I've been exposed to a trigger till after I'm already feeling those effects. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, just like having my room as a space that I, 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 it's completely in my control, which is another anxiety thing, right? Like I love having control in situations and so knowing i have this space that no one else can affect and it's just mine and it's in my like that is just so calming and grounding for me of knowing like this is my my little safe haven love it absolutely am also that teenager that <laughs> stays in the room middle all the time so definitely most more than likely i will be listening to the audios of forest sounds instead of actually going but you know <laughs> um which i'm very excited when i actually get my own car then i can actually start mm -hmm. going to forests and things like that so it's nice but um I think when we're talking about like the things in our room, comfort objects, as we did mention a while ago, um, that's definitely, definitely a factor as well. Um, being around things that make you happy, being around things that calm you and ground you. Like for me, it's my fidget cube, which I currently don't have because I have to buy a new one because I lost it. Oh, no. But <laughs> I, I need to. But, um, yeah, my fidget cube and other things that make me happy. Um, I know that you also have comfort objects. Like we mentioned the Book of Hope, but what else do you have that comes to mind? Yeah. So I am a big stuffed animal person. Um, a lot of my comfort objects for me are things that I ha associate really strong positive memories to mm -hmm. because I it can let myself focus on those when I'm stressed out. Um, so I'm, I'm a big stuffed animal person. Um, I actually have a stuffed animal fox that I bring to school with me. Um, he's in my book bag and sometimes on bad days he's in my lap or like sitting on my desk, um, which I think for a while, because I am in high school, like I was really anxious about that idea of what other people were going to think. But over time, it's kind of just become a signal to my classmates of like, if it's on the desk, like they all kind of know, yeah. <laughs> they like know what that's a sign of. And, and so it's also been a really good signal for like the other people in my life um, and my family, my teachers to know like, hey, I'm having a rough day and I'm like trying to calm down. Um, but I think it's also something that we're gonna talk a little bit more later, but I think just also getting over some of the like fear around certain coping mechanisms or like the stress around them. Um, but yeah, I have like stuffed animal foxes are like my favorite things. And so I've got so many and I have, they're different sizes so I can bring them to different places if need Aww. be. Um, this is my oldest one. Oh, that's cute. And I know he's very rough. That's <laughs> <laughs> still cute he's nonetheless. A, um, but yeah, it's just having having things that like associate positive memories. Another thing for me is I'm also very fidgety. Um, mm -hmm. so jewelry is really helpful, like things that have like loose pendants that I can fidget with. Um D, &D dice sets. <laughs> uh, 
They have the positive memory of my D&D campaigns, uh, but they're also really fun to fidget with. And they have the added bonus of if I'm really stressed about to-do list or stuff I need to get done, I will write it all down, number every bullet point, and then roll a dice and figure out what my priorities are. So I can, um, which sometimes will just like, if I'm so stressed about like, I don't know what to prioritize, do I do the homework that's due tomorrow or the big project that's due next week first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like sometimes just giving up that control and letting the dice choose is just helpful for figuring that out and like, for sure. I think I deal with that a lot, so I, I, I might have to steal that idea as well. <laughs> Just having like, wow, I have these two big things that's coming up, and I don't know what to do. And most of the time, I kind of just am stuck, and I'm like, all right, guess I'll figure that later. <laughs> so I feel like I might, I might steal that. <laughs> I think uh, as far as just like comfort objects, which can also be um, referred to as transitional objects that find, make help us find comfort in the certain things and even remind us of happy moments in the past. I think it can also be a form of mindfulness because I feel like every time I hold my fidget cube, especially during like really bad uh, anxiety attacks, sometimes I just like dissociate a lot and sometimes I feel like I'm not in control like I'm just kind of floating and having that sort of objects or um, like my fidget cubes also my stuffed animals sometimes um, or even just my baby blanket you know <laughs> but, um, holding those objects is kind of like I'm here I'm present and I'm within this moment says you know that can also be grounding as well as being mindful that I am present and I am in control of my own you know future slash reality um so yeah and i think we do want to in this section out a little bit uh with before we move on to a side note but um as far as coping mechanisms go we do want to say that hobbies 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 are amazing coping mechanisms um like sarah said uh, mentioned before um finding out that what you already do and trying to develop on those things definitely amazing uh, an amazing coping mechanism i have like this whole box of just like old coping mechanisms that have worked before um not like you know like the things that i do physically but sort of like these mementos like old artworks and old journals and just everything that i sort of put my emotions into i have these little boxes and sometimes it's like too much to look at because there are a lot of dark things in there but other times it's kind of just like wow i really have grown and then i'll just look them over and look at all the positive things as well that i've written in it it's, it's really nice um i do want to mention that there are two different types of hobbies that you could participate in that are very helpful um and that these aren't like specific hobbies but there are um a hobby well there are hobbies that engage your smart brain as some people say um and these hobbies include just like reading writing like planning problem solving things that are kind of like more left brain uh more left brain ish um and they also engage your neocortex which is aka your smart brain and those can help a lot and there there is the creative side of it um engaging in those sort of artistic hobbies that help you release your emotions creatively like art as I mentioned before and um, like writing and dancing and you know everything like that so it's really up to you what you want to do or you could just like 
you know, stare at a wall. <laughs> maybe that maybe that helps too. <laughs> yeah, I think like sometimes like I think I mentioned this earlier, but I honestly can't remember. <laughs> it's sometimes like some people what helps them is not thinking about it and not doing anything and just taking a moment. And for some people they need to think about something else and they need right. to focus on something else. Um, but like another hobby that I thought of when you're talking about like smart brain and then creativity is I love cooking and I um will often I do like my best cooking when I'm stressed, which is like not good. Uh, but because like when I'm stressed, like I just get so like I need to focus on this, so I'm not focusing on anything else. Uh, and so the, when as like a lot of times like more mistakes or misreading measurements happens when I'm like not really paying attention because I'm not actively um, trying to avoid other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so. But it's like one of those things where I will like spend, like I like making up my own recipes. So I like, like a few months ago, like I spent like a whole month researching a bunch of food science and things like that so that I could like make my own cookie recipe. Mm -hmm. And and then I made like my own oatmeal cookie recipe and then I brought them to my classmates. And one of the girls was like, Sarah, were you crying last night? And I was like, <laughs> and she's like, are these, I think you're crying cookies. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that is so funny in the most like non-funny way <laughs> i know and all of i go through kc12 so like everyone at my school is very aware of my emotional well-being i said oh you're cooking again i see <laughs> i see they're like, you wanna, they're like these cookies these chocolate chip cookies are so good do you need to talk about it <laughs> Yeah, That's funny. a little bit. That is so funny. I mean, it's a win-win situation at this point. Right. right. <laughs> so, uh, closing out this topic, we do want to say that um, there are many different coping mechanisms, again, that work for different people, and as well that it is more efficient if you do try to make a plan beforehand, not literally while the crisis is happening, because like, if you're in this crisis mode, the only thing you're gonna think about is kind of what you're dealing with and not yeah, like it's new coping mechanisms. It's often hard to think of solutions when you're dealing with a problem. Exactly. Um, anxiety example, the other day I was crying on the kitchen floor because there was only one bagel left and my dad had to remind me, we live near a grocery store. <laughs> he could go get more bagels. <laughs> I mean, valid. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> so it's like, it's sometimes it's like, it's hard to think of those solutions when you are involved in a problem. Right. Um, I know like the internet has some list of like things that you can do that include like making a playlist for when you're stressed or coming up with who your emergency like contacts are mm -hmm. um, or just writing down like things that have worked for you in the past so that you have a plan of things you can try now. Right. I, when you said playlist, I immediately thought of just like the, I think, 13 playlists I have now for every single emotion. <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> I'm so glad I made these. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's pretty important to just make that little plan for yourself. Make sure that you have like these tool bit, uh, toolkit of coping mechanisms, coping strategies that you can use when you are in distress. And it's okay to experiment with different coping mechanisms, as we mentioned before, in order to, you know, improve your plan as the years come, uh, as the years go by. And 
especially if your coping mechanisms aren't helpful anymore, it's important to keep readjusting and find new ways to make sure that you are coping efficiently and effectively. Um, and it is shown that people who do make these plans beforehand and set realistic goals for themselves, um, when they do uh, face stressful situations, not while in the situation but you know <laughs> beforehand it has been proved that they enjoyed a better psychological well-being so yeah make that plan and it's gonna be great <laughs> and we do want to move on to our last last topic unfortunately this has been such a good conversation but uh, we're going to talk about recognizing that you do deserve to feel safe despite what your brain is telling you <laughs> So do you want to open up this conversation? Yeah, so I think one of the number one things is don't feel shame for your coping mechanism. Um, you do not deserve to feel stressed. Like mm -hmm. no one deserves to be stressed or panicked or anxious. And so what makes you feel safe and what makes you feel comfortable and calm is not something you should feel like stressed and anxious about right yeah. um so letting just letting your coping mechanisms and your coping strategies be there for you um instead of panicking about what other people will think so i mentioned earlier like i have a stuffed animal fox that i bring to school and in lower school everyone had a stuffed animal they brought to school, right like mm -hmm. every kid had that and then in middle school i was like oh this is kind of getting awkward <laughs> um but i was like yeah but i was like and then when I went to high school, I just started being like, this feels like I felt really stupid about it. I felt really insecure. I was like, I like I'm the one kid in the grade who like still needs to bring her stuffed animal to school because like I freak out so easily. Um, and it took like another student telling me like we all have something that we like bring to school to calm down, whether it's our phone or a fidget or like something like that she's so she was she just like sat me down and she was like if that's what makes you feel calm that's what makes you feel calm mm -hmm. and and let it make you feel calm and I kind of needed someone to tell me that and then I started noticing I was like oh yeah like that person does like play with his jewelry when he's stressed and that person does have a fidget you know um so I think realizing you aren't isolated in that stressful feeling can also be helpful um but even if people are making comments, like don't let don't let them shame you out of that. I think just realizing that you deserve you deserve to be to be safe and to feel safe and to make time for yourself. Um, and so just resisting those comments and trying your best to not internalize what people are saying if people are saying things, because oftentimes people understand, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of the time we do. Also, if you are getting comments about your coping mechanisms, a lot of the time we do focus a lot on the uh, negative aspect rather than the positive aspect because, you know, I've been in a group of people that have affirmed me in my situation. Um, and then there has been other times where people just look at me crazy for doing these certain things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's hard for us as human beings to sort of ignore that pot or ignore that negative and you know focus more on the positivity uh because it was one person versus like my whole friend group so yeah you know not try well training yourself to not succumb to that sort of negativity whether it is large or um small 
and knowing that you do indeed deserve to feel um, safe and you don't deserve to shame yourself for these coping mechanisms. For sure. And, and also, if someone reacts negatively to your coping mechanism, that's not on you, that's that's on them. Um, when I went to get my COVID vaccine for my first shot, the EMT was like, why are you holding your mom's hand? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you don't need to be stressed. Why do you look so stressed? Why are you sweating? Like, um, and he was just like very aggressive about it. He's like, this is not that big of a deal and you do not need to be acting like it is, um, which made me very stressed for my second shot. <laughs> Um, but I got there and I had my stuffed animal fox and she immediately was like, oh my goodness, what an adorable buddy, like what's their name, can I like go show you like the stuffed animal cat that I bring with me everywhere, it's, that helps mm -hmm. calm me down, and she was just like so reassuring, and so I think it's a lot of just like, it's not on you if someone else thinks what you're doing is weird or unnecessary, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the times it's kind of like their own processes mm -hmm. interfering because you know, somebody could be living their best life, having the best coping mechanisms and knowing more about how to cope by us, knowing more in quotation marks. But um, I feel like when there is a person that completely like just shuts down and doesn't have these coping mechanisms that are healthy, they then proceed to judge others who, you know, are trying to figure themselves out and are trying to better themselves. So it's mainly their own thought processes in their head. It's not you, or it's not, yeah, it's not just, it's not you. <laughs> it's more of them. So if it does make you feel safe, then that's amazing. Let it make you feel safe. You deserve that. Everybody deserves that. And in addition to that, um, I do want to say that going more on the sort of internal side um you do deserve to make time for yourself as again you do deserve to feel safe and i feel like a lot of people get like myself actually get so caught up in just their responsibilities and um other things that um i guess I wouldn't say don't have anything to do with them, but like maybe getting invited to parties and just accepting every invitation and, you know, doing extra to overtime at work or things like that. And it's also just a sort of mindset of where you're consistently pushing away time to um, let yourself breathe and let yourself process all that has been happening. If you keep going and going and going, you're not really processing a lot of the things that you are going through. So when you do sit down, make sure that you are trying actively to feel better, or I was going to say about yourself, but what? <laughs> Making sure that you are taking the time and actively saying to yourself that you do deserve this time to relax. You do deserve time to, um, you know, try and actively process everything that's been happening you deserve to feel happy and okay even as simple as saying that it's kind of hard to believe but you know with time and i think a lot of like ways to work on that and incorporate that into your life is just to set specific time frames for yourself um by decluttering your schedule or if maybe someone asks you to do a thing that you really don't want to do and you can it's okay to say no mm -hmm. okay like like that's what i'm i recently learned that <laughs> <laughs> i i've been trying to to internalize that but it's like if someone's asking you to do something it's because they're asking if you're interested in it mm -hmm. and if you're not interested in it you don't have to pretend to be 
Absolutely. So you can, so you can say no. Um, and, and just giving yourself space. So for me, I give myself 30 minutes between getting home and starting my homework. Um, for me, on Wednesdays, I do not schedule anything except for actual school time on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are exclusively days for me. Um, and so having things like that where you just give yourself space to just do what you want to do right. that, and just do things for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I actually, I don't think anything. <laughs> Brain empty, <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely, just seconding that. Um, and it doesn't have to be essentially making this set time frame, making this set date. Uh, even though that is beneficial, sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes other things in the life get in the way, in your life get in the way. But allowing yourself to even do simple things like declutter your schedule and, like Sarah said, uh, ignore those invitations if you're not interested in it for real. <laughs> and, you know, trying to make time to take a day off of work maybe or canceling any sort of things that you think that will cause stress and even if there are big things in your life right now, maybe try and consider the things that are priority versus the things that are um, that can be done another day. Not procrastinate it, but <laughs> if you are like, for example, if you have a deadline in a week or something or two weeks, you do not have to do it at that day and time. You can allow yourself and choose yourself in that situation to just sit back and relax if you are feeling stressed. Um, and even, I know as I talked about earlier with the uh, alone thing, um, I know that for some people, being around others and making sure that you are talking to your friends and family about what's going on can be very, very helpful. But if you are alone and making sure that you feel happy when you're alone, um, there's a difference between, you know, needing others or talking to others when you're well too cope with a situation but there's also a fear of being alone and for me that was something that was prevalent in my life for a long time and i had to learn that it is okay to be alone and now i love it <laughs> so um yeah it's important that when you are alone uh, you are able to just be able to pursue multiple things and even if that's creative or if that's the smart brain aspect that we were talking about earlier develop more interest build more in mental strength just be able to plan relax and just overall learn more about yourself and learn what is healthy um, for yourself and that also goes into personal boundaries um, establishing those boundaries for yourself and for other people um, just to briefly talk about that for a little bit, has there been uh, any boundaries that you, well, any other boundaries that you previously mentioned that you set for yourself? Yeah, so I know for me, like I, for me personally, um, if I am really stressed out or anxious, um, I don't like being with other people. I like talking to other people after I've calmed down to like process those feelings. But when I'm in that like really stressed out zone, like I being near other people is gonna stress me out more mm -hmm. um, because I often get anxious about like being self-conscious and that's something I'm working on. Um, and so a lot of times having to tell my friends like, no, when I'm panicking, like it's okay to check in on me, but 
you don't need to interfere. <laughs> like, yeah. like, let me feel the things and then we can talk about it. Um, because I think a lot of the times telling someone who's having a breakdown to just like not panic uh, is not yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, it's like, stop being so sad. Like, okay, uh, it's not <laughs> like, gonna work. Uh, tried that one. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's not just setting boundaries with your own personal life of giving yourself time, but also telling other people what those boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Um, being like, hey, I'm not going to work on this. Like if I have, if I'm doing like a part time, like I'm not going to work or volunteer on Wednesdays because that is my time. Um, and sometimes you have to. I was gonna. I'm trying to figure out a way to where this that doesn't sound like bad. Um, <laughs> sometimes you have to kind of negotiate for that respect of your time, of being like, well, maybe I won't work on Wednesdays, but I will work on Friday. Yeah. Um, and so having those discussions with people of what's gonna work best for you, mm-hmm. um, but then also considering, you know everyone else is human too and so considering being really respectful of what their hoping boundaries are and what they're what they're um asking of you too absolutely mm-hmm. um i think i'm gonna go back to the situation when i was actually talking about or debating with being alone um with my friend like i was mentioning i was he was like really into being with other people when he is upset and i was like really into being alone we did eventually have to come to that compromise and realize that we do work differently we are different people so when i am in a situation where i am just like really in my head and i want to be alone and he cannot accept that personally <laughs> but we came to a compromise and i was like all right dude if you want to be there for me just can we sit in silence and just listen to music mm-hmm. for a little bit? And you know, even if that isn't something that I originally planned to happen, we did come to that compromise and I learned that just sitting with others while listening to music and just taking time to process is also something that's good for me. So, um, you know, making that balance and compromising and being aware of other people's uh, coping mechanisms as well as your own can be really, really helpful. And. With that being said, I think that's all I have for this episode. Do you want to close out with any other important messages? No, I think I think I'm good. I think the main thing is just don't let yourself, well, let yourself feel your feelings, but try not to be ashamed, you know, mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Just try and focus because a coping skill is all about your safety and making sure that you feel safe and you feel comfortable and that you're able to just navigate these situations and let yourself do that. Let yourself navigate these situations in healthy and positive ways. Um, but also understand like not every situation is going to be positive and I don't think you have to try and force that positivity onto things, but just try navigating those situations in the healthiest way that you can based on what works for you. Absolutely. And with that, wise message we will go into our closing remarks so ah this was such a great episode <laughs> <But> <laughs> so i'm so excited i've been so excited about it <laughs> it was i'm glad you were excited because i was super excited and this turned out great <laughs> right. that being said we are going to close out this episode so if you did not know forever blooming does have a website and it is bloompod.wixsite.com slash org 
You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, all at Forever Blooming Org, and Twitter at Forever Bloom Org. The research and transcript for this episode is all on our website and our extra section. Our podcast guest form, if you want to be on the podcast like Sarah, <laughs> is in our episode section. If you want to be on Forever Blooming, as well as our audience spotlight form, where you can ask for any advice to be featured on any of our episodes, which is pretty cool. <laughs> you can also email us at management at foreverbloompod.org. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and how we can improve the podcast because we absolutely love hearing from you. Be sure to check out our card, fborg.card.co, and that is card with two R's for all of our easy, accessible links. And we want to introduce a new thing. Uh, we have never done this before, but like 10 minutes before the actual episode, we decided, hey, why not? This is going to be a new thing now. So, Sarah, if you want to give us our affirmation for today. <laughs> you can do anything, but you cannot do everything. Uh, everything. Yeah, that was that <laughs> sentence. See, I can't do everything. I can't even read it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you can do anything, but you can't always do everything set those boundaries for yourself <laughs> amazing for this episode <laughs> make sure to like comment subscribe rate us on spotify and share with your friends if you enjoy this episode and have a great day afternoon or night whenever you're listening to this thanks for tuning in <laughs>